1: Happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. Have thoughts on what we should cover in a future episode? Let us know on Twitter at at Cisco Champion. All right, today we are talking about Cisco SD-WAN and SASE. In particular, we will discuss the growing challenges we face with a diverse IT landscape and how to deliver a secure, cloud-first, seamless hybrid work experience. This is a big topic, so we have the best of the best here to help us unpack what you need to know. All right, let's get to our round of introductions. Dan, we're going to start with you. Who are you?
2: Hi, I'm Dan Kelcher. I am a enterprise network and cybersecurity solutions architect with Meridian IT. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ipswich And then the blog is mytechnome.blogspot.com.
1: Fantastic. Michael, you're up next. What do you do?
3: Yes, hi, uh, Mike Whitty, uh, Principal Architect at Worldwide Technologies. And basically, um, I do a lot of R&D work for the various OEMs um, and create labs and, you know, um, blogs and things that we put on our portal to help customers consume uh, new products.
1: All right. Ryan, what are you doing nowadays?
4: Yeah. Uh, My name is Ryan Harris. Uh, I'm a senior network engineer at NetCraftsman. This is actually my uh, third week at the company, so it's uh, been a cool experience to jump on here. And uh, so I've been working in the network and security space now for about 13 years, uh, doing all sorts of things for different customers, um, whatever kind of interests me at the time. And then I blog at uh, thisbridgeistheroot.com and you can follow me on Twitter at uh, bridgeisroot.
1: All right. Matt, we are so happy to have you on the podcast. Can you tell us who you are, what you do at Cisco, and then maybe give us a little bit more background on today's topic?
0: Great. Thanks, Emily. It's great to be here with the team. Uh, My name is Matt Gillies. I'm a Cisco fellow and the chief architect for the Global Systems Engineering team. So I've got uh, about 30 years or so of experience uh, um, on various topics on, on networking and security. Um, but I lead uh, technology strategy, kind of looking at, you know, what we need, what's to come and working with um, folks like uh, Cisco Champions team to really get input on shaping what customers are looking for. And the topic we're going to cover today, I think, is, is a really important one. And, and I think, you know, really a paradigm shift for where we are going as an is- industry. And it starts um, by really acknowledging that um, applications are everywhere. Uh, Customers are putting applications into private clouds, into public clouds, and the way that they provide secure connectivity to those applications is changing. And a few years ago, Gartner kind of coined uh, a new category um, called SASE. And SASE really represents this intersection of networking and security. And there are really two kind of tracks for SASE. The first You know, where we started was about disaggregated SASE. So these are the different functions, the network and security functions that customers use to connect their users to those applications. So they'll start by kind of, let's say, evolving their wide area network or evolving the security infrastructure they need to protect their applications. And more recently, there's been a pivot to what's referred to as unified SASE. So really more tightly integrating networking and security. And that's really gonna be the focus today centered around two use cases, Uh, really how you connect users and how you connect places uh, to those applications. And so the team has had um, kind of a sneak preview and early access to um, a solution that uh, we've been developing for some time called Cisco Plus Secure Connect Now. Uh, So the team saw this uh, a few weeks back, Uh, we announced it at RSA, um, and then we also announced it at Cisco live. So I think, uh, the team probably has more exposure than most, uh, in the industry. Um, and, uh, I know we'll have some, uh, great discussions and questions, uh, today.
2: So start off and kind of, can you give us a little more on what the solution from Cisco is? How are you implementing it? Some of this stuff, like you said, was covered at, at Cisco live. So it was shown off in the, the Meraki dashboard. Can you kind of give more of a lay of the land? You bet,
0: Dan. Um, So I think, you know, what we observed is that organizationally, there's been a recognition that you, you know, really to move faster, you need to bring the network and the security teams much closer together. And so part of that, uh, you know, realization, if you will, is how we integrate uh, these functions. And so what we started with was the Meraki cloud management platform. Um, as the interface, the UI, and the API to be able to construct the secure networking services, um, and then foundationally leveraging that um, and integrating that with Umbrella, uh, which we use to provide cloud security. So you can think of you know Cisco Plus Secure Connect Now as really a tight integration between you know best of class uh, cloud networking with Meraki and best of class. Cloud security with Umbrella and integrating these two um, platforms, if you will.
3: So, so one question I have too is, will this only work with Meraki, or can we use um, other the other Cisco SDN platform, SD WAN platform?
0: Yeah, great question, Mike. So, you know, certainly we're starting out with direct um, Meraki integration. Um, however, um, you know the the ability to connect locations. Um, with IPsec is something that we, you know, have long supported uh, into the umbrella platform as well. I think you have to kind of step back and look at the use case. So, from a user perspective, connecting um, an IPsec VPN is something that's supported today. So that's part of the, the new innovation is connecting users um, with an IPsec, like an AnyConnect connection, is supported today out of the box. As well, um, another new innovation is how you actually connect users with ZTNA. Uh, so browser-based access to their applications is part of the uh, the new solution. So it's not just about kind of bringing Meraki uh, and Umbrella together, the cloud networking and the um, cloud security components. It's about the use cases and being able to terminate a VPN or terminate... Um, or provide access to an application with ZTNA. Um,
4: so does does that mean I can bring uh, my you know legacy either routers, maybe an ISR or an ASA, and and connect it in and and get all the same great kind of security functions that that uh, my Meraki sites might be getting?
0: So certainly, starting if you have Meraki sites today, Ryan, um absolutely integrating those is something that we can do um, today. So um, you know now you know where we go in terms of migrating existing brownfield we're targeting greenfield and we're targeting uh, meraki customers um you know that will certainly have the least amount of friction and there's an opportunity for partners to look at you know migration services and how they move customers along the path to the cisco uh, plus secure connect now solution so certainly today ryan to further on you can you can take an existing meraki connected location and integrate that with the Cisco Plus Secure Connect now and leverage the benefits of things like auto VPN to connect those sites together.
2: You mentioned Umbrella is one of the kind of the security products on the back end here going through this using this kind of platform does that prevent you from using the Umbrella tools? Are we kind of restricted to only the, the buttons that are presented through the Meraki dashboard or will we will that have feature parity in the Meraki dashboard? Do we have access to Umbrella? What, is, what does that look like from that feature set standpoint?
0: Yeah, great question, Dan. I would say that um, you should consider like Cisco Plus Secure Connect now is a superset of what you get in Umbrella. So in no way does it kind of dilute the capabilities that you get with the Umbrella today. So capabilities like CASB or RBI or DLP or, you know, Cloud Over Firewall, those are part of, of the underlying platform and they're integrated um,
4: and exposed via the Meraki dashboard. Um, are, are you kind of targeting maybe simplifying uh, the deployment of, of Umbrella so that maybe, um, uh, you know, a smaller company may not need to, to engage a, a partner to, to get a basic umbrella deployment working or, or is this, I guess, are, are there kind of some, some canned automation out of the box with, with the secure now or, sorry, let me say that correctly, Uh, secure connect now.
0: Yeah. So, so, I mean, I think what you'll notice within the solution is certainly um there's a kind of a wizard type model uh that allows you to onboard either users or sites and, um, that was a lot of the feedback that we've heard is how do customers make it much easier to deploy things at scale? And so, you know, when you first start off kind of looking at the platform, it asks you up front, are you connecting users? Or are you connecting sites? Um, and it walks you through, um, you know, how you would go about doing that. Uh, so I think that applies kind of regardless of the size of the customer. Um, and, and you can as well do kind of um, a, a manual creation of either of those use cases as well. So we've certainly tried to focus on um, how we uh, ease deployment. Um, that's, that's kind of the, the big win you know, with SASE in general is how do you remove operational friction?
3: So so one of the um one of the things I saw in going through some of the sessions um was the availability at some point of a new basically a new AnyConnect client. It looks like Cisco Secure client for an endpoint. Um that looks like a really, really great way for customers to onboard a user into into this subsystem. Um could you maybe allude to that a little bit more? Because that I mean it's, that looked really sweet. I look like a really sweet spot for people.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's a good observation, Mike. You know, I, I think what we've heard and we all know is there's kind of agent bloat and fatigue um, of having to deploy kind of multiple discrete functions on um, every client. And so what we've done um, and really starting with Cisco Secure Client is use that as a foundation for other functions. So whether it's things like the umbrella roaming module, whether it's things like base uh, VPN uh, functionality, device insights, our intent is to have those functions as modules on the client, so you wouldn't have to deploy any of those individually. So, so that I think is certainly a big win.
3: Yeah, and they, and they would get the they would get the same feature functionality as if they, if they deployed a Meraki endpoint. Correct.
0: You got it, and 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 that's actually tied to from. Um, to uh, SecureX as well, so you can actually from SecureX you can actually look at the device insights of the host, and you can uh, essentially build a deployment profile, um, you know, for each of those hosts based on the posture of the individual device.
3: Yeah, I bet you a lot of people wish that was there two years ago.
0: I I think you're you're <laughs> probably right. I I think it's a huge uh huge win. Uh, So now you you can get, you know, those device insights, you can construct policies. um, And again, we're kind of, you know, collapsing a a bunch of the functionality that you would have deployed discreetly.
2: With this being a cloud service and the talk of AnyConnect, if a client is set up to connect to this, are you connecting, is that client connecting into kind of my Meraki environment? Are they connecting directly to like a, a Cisco cloud that's doing a proxy where, where I guess, where does that connection terminate?
0: Gotcha, great question, Dan. So, the you know part of the innovation that's in Cisco Plus Secure Connect now is that was not in Umbrella um, is the ability to terminate a VPN as well as a ZTNA proxy. So, part of what happens um, from a host that's actually looking to uh, terminate that VPN or um, or connect to an application is connecting to the local um, Cisco Plus Secure Connect cloud service. So we have, um, you know, cloud services available in different geographies. There's obviously um, a rollout plan uh, where we have local presence in different markets. Uh, so you would connect to the, you know, the
2: closest, um, you
0: know, data center to uh, for your users.
2: So that, that kind of opens up a, another can of questions uh the first being so you said it's geographically dispersed is that something where the geo load balancing is happening on the cisco side and all of my clients just connect to the same url or do i need a unique one for each each client and then the second part would be from kind of a host side or a a site side you mentioned earlier connecting sites in, is this kind of where I would connect in the sites and that would give me that almost SD-WAN style mesh of everything is connected into this secure, the kind of cloud VPN. And that's that's how I can get site to site or user to any site traffic?
0: Yeah, you've kind of nailed it in both cases, Dan. So, so essentially there are different ways that you can control access to a particular uh, data center for service. Uh, some of them are based on geographical proximity. Um, obviously, when we're connecting a site together, we can make that connectivity redundant to multiple data centers, and we think uh, we have a really interesting way uh, using AnyCast to build um, multiple tunnels to redundant data centers. And in the event that you know we were to lose one, uh, we're able to fail over seamlessly, um, you know, from one data center to another. So there's no requirement, though, Dan as a follow-up for you to actually build a kind of a load balancer that handles kind of the direction of clients to a particular data center that's done um, automatically.
3: So, so the one thing that I, I'm always interested in myself is is telemetry aspects of it. So you know what what kind of tools uh, you know would, would fit in with this or what, what would what would you recommend to um, you know augment the visibility in between user and applications? Something like Thousand Eyes, or
0: yeah, great, great question, and and I think you know we we had some earlier discussions around this. We actually think that this intersection of networking and security can be complemented with observability, and certainly, Mike is is you touched on, um, we're integrating Thousand Eyes um, across the portfolio, and specific to Cisco Plus Secure Connect now, you can deploy Thousand Eyes agents certainly on the host. You can put them within your infrastructure and then there's tens of thousands that are deployed globally and you know where we see there being a lot of interesting value is the ability to take the results from tests that we run end to end you know from a host to a router switch in our own infrastructure up into our cloud platforms or to other cloud providers and correlate all of those insights together and from an operational standpoint that will you know really allow us to um you know get to the mean to innocence much faster to see like is it is it my network is it someone else's network is it the upstream provider uh where the gateway potentially changed so being able to monitor the entire digital experience with these different vantage points i think is is really important and as as we've discussed in the past we're actually exposing a lot of that capability. We exposed that a few months ago directly in Meraki. You can see a new tab with Thousand Eyes there. And you should expect that we'll expose more of those insights based on tests that you configure for your users across the infrastructure.
3: Yeah, I mean, potentially that could just be a little toggle switch inside of your Cisco Secure client, right? Turn on Thousand Eyes, right? And it's right there, right? Turn the agent on right, right in the VPN client. So I think that'd be a good place to put it.
4: Makes sense, Mike. Um, so I think uh Dan kind of touched on this a little bit more. Uh, so when I want to go, kind of change something, am am I am I stuck with just using uh just configuring umbrella settings in the Rocky dashboard, or um, can I go in and, and touch all of the different uh nerd knobs that are available in in a classic umbrella deployment in in this secure uh, Cisco Secure Plus now or Connect Now. <laughs>
0: Yes. So, Ryan, like what actually happens is is we built the platform. Uh, we've actually been building and exposing the APIs so that we can more tightly integrate Meraki and Umbrella. So today you'll notice that um, in some cases we're cross-launching directly from Meraki into Umbrella. Um, so the capabilities um, that, that uh, you're able to configure as an administrator are, um, are all available to you. Um, and so you know it it kind of starts with A, um, the integration that we're doing right now where we cross-launch from you know one platform to another, and then we're actually building the APIs underneath them. So you'll be able to configure things, you know, um, either via the UI or via an API. So I think to answer your question, you're not missing out on any of the umbrella features. Our intent is to have those all exposed via Cisco Plus Secure Connect now.
2: You mentioned some of the the user onboarding process could you kind of dig a little deeper into that if i've got especially now with with new people coming on remotely if i have i ship a laptop out to somebody i want to get them connected in here what what would that process look like to onboard a, a new remote user yeah so
0: um there's kind of a, a couple different ways that that can be done the first is kind of ad hoc of course uh which is good for a poc but probably not good at volume um, and then there's other ways that we can actually do more of a bulk import of a given set of users um, or connect a number of users, building you know, building a template essentially, uh, Dan. So there's ways that you can kind of accelerate. You could, you know, eventually we're gonna get there where you can drive that all via an API as well. So the framework that we've established really allows you to build groups of users based on particular attributes and then obviously fill out the relevant um, things that are unique, like the credentials for that user. Um, we can also authenticate users based on SAML, uh, so uh, the identity of the users can actually live uh, somewhere else. They don't have; it doesn't have to live directly within the platform. So, so can you can you like
3: uh, create like your own users in in the cloud, or does it have to be yeah. tied into yeah. like Active Directory or your own stuff? Yeah, or, you
0: can do either. So so yeah, you can create your own users in the cloud, absolutely, or you can tie it into AD using SAML as an example. So um or have some combination of both.
2: From a traffic standpoint, then being that this is a, a cloud application, is is this then in path for all of the the traffic? If yeah, all all internet traffic has to go through this. Uh, if that's the case, do you have Because of geolocation, do you have kind of a a rough idea what that might do from a latency or performance impact?
0: Yeah, great question, Dan. So uh, we've done a ton of performance testing around, um, you know, what, um, what our cloud footprint, what impact our cloud footprint really has on network traffic and ultimately it comes down to what's the connectivity from the cloud that you're connecting to look like? Like what networks is it connected to? Um, and, um, you, know, the, uh, you know, there's some published reports that we have up available uh, with umbrella testing on Cisco.com, but um, our, you know, overall network performance is best in class, like unbelievable latency, um, unbelievable um, connectivity globally. And, and the reason for that is because of the tight peering relationships we have with multiple peering partners from the Umbrella data centers. In many cases, um, the feedback we get is it's actually faster to connect through our cloud platform to applications like Microsoft than it is to go through their own cloud directly. And that's just because of the global network that our clouds are connected to. And I, and I think kind of this is back to Mike's point is that just like, you know, no network, no networks are really created the same, no clouds are created the same. So we believe part of what we need to do is uh, provide a mechanism to monitor um, the network um, and the clouds um, that the, the users transit. And based on that, you know, um, allow administrators to create policies so they continually optimize the user experience. So, so
3: it looks like now that um, you're able to provide cl- uh, firewall services. I think we talk, kind of talked about that the last time. So, so that looks like it's a thing right now, right? So you you can, you know, do inbound and outbound firewall, visibility, IPS, um, you know, a whole bunch of application policies. You know, could you talk a little bit about that and, and what that, you know, brings to an enterprise?
0: Yeah, you know, you know, this kind of starts back to the high level, you know, opportunity is that um, customers want choice in where they put their applications, right? And, and, you know, as I know you all do, but, you know, whenever I talk to customers, we ask them, where are their applications? They kind of say, well, everywhere. And I don't know where they're going to be. They're everywhere. And I want choice on where they might be. And, but they know that you know when they make a choice to move their application from a private cloud to a public cloud, they want to ensure it's protected. So they'll want to ensure that they build the security stack, um, you know, in the cloud. Um, and so what we've you know tried to do um, over time is ensure that those security functions like firewalling, like malware protection, um, like sandboxing that we had on prem, uh, we now build in the cloud and. We actually inform, um, you know, the those security functions using threat intelligence that we source globally, and that's what we do with the Talos platform. So, um, the, which which I think is again kind of more of connecting these dots: a, being able to monitor the current state, but also informing the current state based on threat intelligence that you have globally. Um, so, so it's it's. Um, It's kind of a reimagining of um, those security functions, but in a cloud native format uh, with um, much more flexibility um, in the way that they get deployed. Mike,
4: So if I had a customer that just uh, finished deploying a a new SD-WAN deployment, um, is this kind of a hold up? didn't, Didn't we just... Do this type thing, or is there is it kind of sunsetting a lot of those features, or, or is that still a lot of integration with um, maybe their SD-WAN deployment?
0: Yeah, so I mean, uh, the very definition of SASE, Ryan, of course, includes SD-WAN. Um, so we're we're connecting you know users, but we're also connecting places with SD-WAN. So Cisco Plus Secure Connect now starts with the integration of Meraki SD-WAN. Um, so if they've already deployed Meraki SD-WAN today, certainly integrating those sites with this platform is something that we can do out of the box. So um, I think that, you know, there's been some assumptions in the industry that, hey, you know, I'm just going to put everything behind a cloud um, and um, and things will be good. And and I think the, the reality is that, um, you know, there's going to be applications in different places at different points in time and and we actually think that using the network as an amplifier for how you actually provide services to applications is is critical. Um, and we also think that there are a lot of cases where when you've got you know locations with thousands of users, um, that using the network to enforce security will be important. Doing things like segmentation, if we have some hosts that have been compromised, using segmentation in the network is super important. And we know there's a huge class of devices that will never run a VPN or a zero trust agent, and so we still need to provide those applications or those devices rather access to various applications. So connecting uh, places is is still really important, um, and um, and obviously from a compliance and security security perspective, um, uh, very compelling as well.
3: What kind of uh, licensing model do you foresee this uh, getting rolled out as under?
0: Yeah, so. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of direct and accurate feedback on licensing, uh, on how we needed to, to get better. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I think the team has really taken that to heart. Uh, we tried to come up with a really, really simple licensing model. It's really based around, um, and I think you probably saw this, the number of users. So the number of users that you have, um, and two different, um, licensing models, basically, um, you know, based on the capabilities that you need. So you basically look at the number of users, the capabilities you need, and that's it. Um, and, and I think that will remove um, a lot of the friction and confusion that we often got around um, how the consumption of these solutions looked like. So uh, super straightforward. Uh, it's not about bandwidth per site or anything like that. It's just how many users um, and uh, what capabilities they need.
3: Is there, are there any caps or anything on how much bandwidth?
0: Uh, no caps on bandwidth. Uh, basically, the, the two categories include, um, you know for ZTNA, for example, the base license includes access to 10 applications via ZTNA um, and the, the uh, advanced license includes unlimited, uh, up to about, actually, I should say up to about 300. Um, and there's some additional capabilities like sandboxing that's available in the, the advanced tier that's not in the base tier.
3: And and then I guess when you say like user, right? So, how would a, how would a site be then licensed, right? Is it is it the the connections in back of a site because, you know, if somebody's if somebody's not using if somebody's unmanaged, so to say, and they're in the back of a site,
2: how how would that work? That 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 would count as a user that site. I guess to build on the licensing question, uh, the Cisco Plus tends to be the. Kind of the service-based pay-as-you-go type model. Is this a similar? You're gonna pay per month. Is it annual licenses? I'm guessing it's probably not perpetual. But is it just like a month-to-month pay-as-you-go, or how's that built out?
0: Yeah. So Cisco Plus is the overall brand for our pivot to as a service. So this is uh, obviously a a massive uh, shift for for Cisco. Uh, we announced kind of our first. Um, solution last year, Cisco Plus Hybrid Cloud. So Cisco Plus Secure Connect now is our second. Um, so yeah. this is a shift away from kind of selling boxes to continually building value, and and uh, ensuring that we're delivering, a, you know, a constant stream of new functionality uh, that allows customers to uh, realize that value. So I think in general um, that model Dan is is happening across the industry. Um, this as a service pivot, um, so it's it's an ongoing, uh, reoccurring um, you know revenue model, but also tied with that an expectation that we're going to continually deliver greater and greater value.
3: Yeah, and and the one thing you got to think about too is with you know a, a service like this, it kind of circumvents any supply chain disruptions, right? So that's right. You know if if my folks are all on managed clients, I'm pretty much. You know, and if I need to onboard another five hundred people, it I don't need hardware, right? And I don't have to be waiting on supply chain stuff. So this is that, really a great model for that.
0: Yeah, that's right, Mike. It's the kind of the beauty, uh, yeah. especially in the the stage uh, we're at right now. It's the beauty of building uh, things in Correct. software.
3: And I and I kind I kind of like this trend again. You know, from somebody who's been around the block a few times, it's it certainly is a different way of doing things. But I think in this day and age, it's really the the future of things also.
0: I think it's good for, you know, it's obviously good for our customers. It's good for Cisco too, but it's it's uh, good for the industry. I think it helps drive innovation, this model, because there's this expectation that, as I said, we're going to continually deliver, you know, um, new value uh, for customers. And if we don't, they'll have choices uh, to make on uh, whether they still see value or not. So I think it really puts um, us on the hook to ensure that we're uh, we're innovating. Yeah,
3: and it makes it easier for you guys to innovate, right? Because you're innovating totally. in one place, right? Versus, totally. you know, these separate, you know, mis- you know, separate blobs that you're deploying out there that you have to, you know, add this to Umbrella and this to this firewall. And, you know, you're just doing it in one place, right? So it's, it makes it way easier. Yeah.
0: There's a degree of modularity, too. You know, we're building things completely cloud native. Um, so the expectation is that we're going to be able to iterate those things faster um, you know, we're you know, going to do less collateral damage, you know, they're much more modular. Um, and I think you'll see over time that there's going to be tighter and tighter integration, which is really the kind of the thesis behind, you know, building this solution is how do we intersect uh, the NetOps and the SecOps persona in this way um, and drive kind of the ultimate end game, which is, you know, connecting, securely connecting users to applications, right? That's that's as we started out talking about, that's what ultimately this is about. Uh, but it's a pivot for the industry and for many customers, right? They're, they're probably organized um, very differently today. And, and some customers are really leaning in on this and saying, I need to bring my IT teams, my cloud team, my SecOps and my NetOps together. Um, but I, I would say solutions like this are, are
4: really scratching at that, uh, that angle. So one other question for me, uh, so if I wanted to integrate with my um, cloud providers right now, AWS, Google, uh, Azure, what's the best way to to integrate those in? Is it, a, is it an appliance to deploy out there or what do I do?
0: Great question. So, um, you know, one of the interesting pivots that's happened with SD-WAN, Ryan, that I think you've seen is the SD-WAN like three, four years ago was how do I split? The traffic. There's a lot, let's say, going over a managed MPLS VPN service, and then more and more was destined to the internet. So SD-WAN 101 was, how do I kind of shift some of that traffic from the branch right to the internet? But where SD-WAN is pivoted is, how do I build cloud-neutral on-ramps and really stretch the WAN to meet the applications? And so SD-WAN today is really about the automation of those cloud-neutral on-ramps. So building those on-ramps, um, and not just kind of building the connectivity, but what is the underlying cloud infrastructure? What are the VPCs that I need? What are the transit gateways I need? What are the cloud constructs that are part of providing that capability? And then you kind of other, have other scenarios where what if the applications are in a colo? So how do I integrate to a colo in order to provide uh, secure access to those applications? So, so I think, you know, that's why, um, you know, you know, back to you know the goal of the solution and Sassy Moore Bradley is why the network is still very relevant. Is um, the network is being stretched? It's being used as this amplifier for connecting users to applications, and now it's being stretched into colos and and public clouds.
2: With all the different stuff that we've talked about today, which which feature, which new button would you say is the coolest, the most exciting? Which one really makes you geek out? I mean. it... Uh, I think, uh,
0: Dan, one thing that it's maybe not apparent when you look at it, but to me, I mean, there's a lot of magic behind it. I mean, is it uh, Leonardo da Vinci that says that uh, there's elegance and simplicity? Um, If you look at the way you actually build, um, you know, ZTNA access to a private application in Cisco Plus Secure Connect now, um, it's, there's a wizard, it kind of guides you through it. You make a policy decision on, you know, how they reach their application and it provides you the FQDM to reach the application. To me, when you, once you've got that from an administrative standpoint and the users have it, um, that to me is, is, is pretty cool because, you know, they just have to have a browser and uh, they can reach the application, but there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, right? There's a policy enforcement, there's a posture check in the browser, there's a ZTNA proxy in the path, there's a lot of networking you know, from the cloud to reach the application. So uh, just kind of the way that I think we've distilled how you get that secure connectivity just down to that URL, if you will, um, that to me is, is, uh, is quite interesting.
1: All right. Well, nicely done, everyone. Um, Another fantastic episode on the books. If you want to continue your journey and learn more, please check out all the links and resources that we've provided in the show notes below. And this is your weekly reminder. Please subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform so you can receive alerts on our latest releases. Um, Thank you for listening in. See you again next week.